Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. I do love the Word of God. It never gets stale, never gets same, never gets familiar. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, and it says this, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. One more verse, Revelation 17, 14, which you would have got from me if you get the email update out. I've been sending out every week since the pandemic started. If we don't send that to you yet, contact us, info at metrochurch.org.au. We'll add you to the list and send it out to you. There are pastors and leaders around Australia, by the way, you get that because I get emailed back from them saying thank you for it. Revelation 17, 14 was how I led off that email update this week. Together they will go to war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will defeat them because He's Lord of all lords, King of all kings, and He's called and chosen and faithful ones will be with Him. There's one key word in those two verses that I read to you, and it's not the word called, nor is it the word chosen, it's the word and. Do you remember when you were a child and someone called you? Maybe your mom or your dad or a brother or a sister or a friend, and they called you by name. Remember what Jesus said in John 10, I, I call my sheep by name. Called is about relationship. Somebody you know calls you. They want you to come. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 14, it says, Jesus ordained at 12 that they might be with him. It says, and that he might send them out to preach. He called them that they might be with him. Again, that's relationship. But the key word there again is the and. And that he might send them out to preach. That's responsibility. It's never either or. It's always a divine and. Even when your mum or your dad or your friend or your sibling call out to you, there was a purpose to the calling, wasn't there? I don't ever remember a time when my father called me, Jeff, Jeff, and I'd go running to dad, of course, or take my time, depending on what I thought. It might be lying at the other end, whether it was a job or whether it was going to be a, 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 you know, some kind of a treat. But dad might call my name Jeff. If it was my mother, it was always Jeffrey. Someone asked me this week, who calls you Jeffrey? I said, my wife, when she's talking about me, my mother and my mother-in-law all the time and uh, only other people when I'm in trouble. I said, other than that, it's just plain old Jeff. Uh, but, you know, when my dad might call me, Jeff, Jeff or mum, Jeffrey, and I would come, they never ever said, oh, no bother, I just wanted to see that you were there. Oh, nothing at all. They always called with a sense of purpose. There was a reason for them to call me. My automatic response when I got to them was what? Yes, what do you, what do you want? Why? Because you know 
that call implies a responsibility. It implies that there's something that you're meant to be doing after the call. In Acts chapter 9, verse 5 and 6, we read about Saul, who is, that is his name then. We now know him as Paul, the apostle. But he gets met by Jesus supernaturally as he's on the way to persecute Christians, cart them off to jail, do a whole lot more worse things than contact tracing. And uh, he's about to punish them in big ways. And when Jesus meets him, his first response is, who are you? I grew up in a country town and in a country town, they never ask you in conversation first, what do you do? They always ask you first who you are. They want to know what relationships have brought you there. I remember being in the pharmacy where I worked after school in year 8, 9 and 10 and then on Saturday mornings for $2.50 a week cleaning the windows with methylated spirits and water and newspaper and cycling all the way around Tara with Agarol to deliver to all the old people. Well, I thought they were old, but maybe they weren't as old as I am. I don't know, but they seemed woefully old back then. And delivering them their stuff. And, and then my, my great job, the job I loved the most, was getting all the cardboard and paper and taking it out to the incinerator out the back and burning it. Because like every little boy, I really liked a good fire. So I'd go out there and do all that stuff. Well, I was back there a couple of years ago to visit my sister and her husband when they still had the farm there. And I remember going into the pharmacy and there was a customer who said to me, who are you? And I'm going, I don't even know who you are. I never laid eyes on you. But she wanted to know who I was. And I knew the only way to explain to who I was, I said, I'm Ellen Jobling's brother. And the moment I said, I'm Ellen Jobling's brother, everything went normal. Then I became in. Why? Because in places where there is tight community, what they want to know is not what your career is and what your resume says. They want to know who you are. And so when Saul asks Jesus, who are you? It's a relationship question. Who are you? Well, the very next verse is, what do you want me to do? See, there it is again. Relationship and responsibility. It's not either or, it's and. When Ananias, one of the disciples, is told by God again, supernaturally, I want you to go and pray for Saul. It says this in verse 15 and 16. It says, because he is a chosen vessel of mine, that's task, that's responsibility, that's purpose, to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And watch this. Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying hands on him said what? He said a relationship statement. He said, brother Saul. He never said Pleased to meet you. I've heard about you, you great persecutor of the church. He never said God sent me and I'm only here because he made me come. He accepts this person as family and because it's about relationship, he then enters into all the command that God has given that this man has to do. See, the reality is, is that we are all called to 
and chosen for. We live in a world right now where I think more than ever, or maybe just as much as ever, maybe we just know about it more, when more and more Christians want to have the vertical without the horizontal. We want to be called, we want to walk with Jesus, we want to be devoted to Jesus, we want to love Jesus, we want Jesus to talk to us, we want Jesus to be our biggest friend. We love the called part, but we've probably been a little bit burned off in the chosen part. Again, I meet people from time to time who, who their real gripe is that they weren't so well treated amongst the family of God. But I would say to you, the family of God is like every family. There's some levels of growth and dysfunction in every family. And the church, God's family, is not perfect yet. This one's pretty close. And I appreciate you laughing at my tongue-in-cheek humour. See, we're all called to and chosen for. Ephesians 1 and verse 11 in the message version says this, it's in Christ that we find out who we are. That's relationship. Amen. We find out who we are and there's the end again. And what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, His designs on us for glorious living and for great relationship. It's both. Now today, I want to show you a picture of Sven and Ingela's first grandchild. More, more and more far. For those of you that are Swedish, my pronunciation is impeccable. Amanda constantly says, no, it's not Haydor, it's Haydor. Like, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to have to wait to get to heaven to speak Swedish because it's actually a lot harder than it looks. Uh, here's a picture, there she is. This is Sloane. And Sloane is Amanda's daughter, that's Fenn and Ingler's daughter. But she's also, of course, Rhonda and my latest grandchild, because we got four now, because our son Nathan is married to their daughter, Amanda. And here's Sloane, she turned one two weeks ago, or three. And she's just the cutest child there ever is, really. I'm not biased at all. But of all the grandchildren that I have in Western Australia, she is the finest, without any doubt whatsoever. She's better than any of the others. She's one year old, all right? That's Sloane. Let me show you my second uh, youngest granddaughter. Ready? That's Judah. Judah lives in Brisbane with her mum, Ryan, and Beck, and with her sister, Evie, and her brother, Elroy. And there she is last week proudly showing off her first place ribbon, who knew she was an athlete. Obviously gets it from her mother's side of the family. Rhonda is a supreme athlete. Or maybe it's me. Anyway, there she is. She got a first, a second, a third and a fourth uh, ribbon on that day. Can we go back to Sloane again for a second just because I want to have another look and because I'm pretty sure Sven and Ingle, I want to see her again. Huh? This is her out for, it's, there's a Swedish festival. They celebrate midsummer, And I think that's the photo of when they were at the Swedish cafe eating whatever Swedes eat uh, in midsummer. And there she is. Can we go back? 
And now show Judah. So here's Judah with all of her ribbons, all the things that she's achieved. But here's the obvious truth. I don't love Judah more because she's achieved those beautiful ribbons. Because trust me, Sloane's got none. She hasn't even run yet. She hasn't even walked yet. She stands up. But I don't love Judah more because Judah now can hold up a bunch of ribbons. The truth is, of course, that Sloane cannot be any more my family than she is right now. She cannot be any more loved by Nathan, Amanda, or by Mormor or Morfar than she is right now. They love her even though she hasn't done anything yet. Really, apart from smile, laugh, and play this really cute game that she played with me last night and cacks herself laughing, where she gets all these little plastic, they're like building block things. She thinks this is hilarious. She does not want to build them, engineers fed. She doesn't want to turn them into a mighty tower. She picks them up each one and hurls them onto the floor and then looks at me and points at them. And she knows that what granddad is going to do I said to Nathan, I said, how does a one-year-old learn how to make a game and get an adult to play it? <laughs> She's smart. I'm there going around. We went for half an hour picking up all these blocks and she's laughing and carrying on. But that's the sum total of her, of her athletic prowess at the moment. And she's not even very good at that. She's throwing them into my face. She's... She sneaks up, she tries to get up on the back of the lounge. She wants to throw them over the back because she knows we can't reach them down there. And that means dismantling the lounge, so we're not going to do that side. Yeah, we don't go there. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Judah's the 100-metre champion sprinter at her school for her age group. Yeah, I know. Who knew? We didn't. Apparently those spindly little legs of hers can go fast. But they can't be any more my family than what they are right now. Let me show you something incredibly interesting out of the Scripture. Matthew 3.17, Jesus is getting baptised. This is what it says. And suddenly a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But He hasn't done one miracle. He hasn't gone to the cross. He hasn't preached even one sermon. And yet the heavenly father looks at him and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now follow me now. Because a couple of years after this, after a couple of years of powerful world-changing ministry, after calling and developing a team of disciples to become apostles to take over, Let's read Matthew 17. We started off Matthew 3. Matthew 17 verse 5. Listen to what it says. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying what? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Wouldn't you think that after doing all the miracles and all the preaching and all the powerful things and it's not long after this, he's going to go to the cross? Wouldn't you think there'd be an escalation? 
Wouldn't you think he'd go from, behold, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, to saying something like, this is my beloved son in whom I'm even more pleased. Or this is my beloved son and now I'm really well pleased. God says exactly the same thing about Jesus. After miracles, after supernatural messages, after divine act, after divine act, and God says exactly the same thing at the end of all that as he did before he ever did one. When you receive Jesus, when God receives you into his family, you are as loved by God as you ever will be. Truth is, folks, we don't serve to gain approval because we already have it. We don't serve to gain approval. We serve because we become mature. That's why we serve. We're not serving in some way or other, hoping that God will like us more. God, if I give more, if I do more, you'll bless me more. Well, there is a blessing that's attached to giving. So I guess in that respect, but it won't come because you deserve it more or earn it more. It'll be because you took an action that God says, I'll bless. I know for many people, this is an ongoing struggle to understand that God loves you perfectly, completely, and cannot love you one bit more no matter what you did last week. No matter how godly you were in the last seven days, you've turned up to church and you're lifting up holy, proud hands because you're going, I really nailed it this week. I had a good week. I really was good. I was a Christian. Man, I, I, some of us here, we go, I, I was a Christian five days out of the seven. And that's a record. And I'm sticking with it. Some of you are here though going, God, I got one day last week where I lived up to what I think you'd expect. And I'd say to you exactly the same thing he'd be saying about you. Behold, my beloved son or daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Amen. We don't serve to gain approval. We serve because we become mature. Can we put up, uh, um, I'm going to mess this up for CG, but can we put up Sloan again for a second? I know you want to have another look. This child, one year old, has one job in life. And that is to twist Sven and Ingler around her little finger. At that, she's been phenomenally successful. I see pictures of Sven the professor of engineering, completely besotted. I didn't ask your permission. I got their permission, by the way. And I asked Sloane, do you mind if Granddad shows a picture of you? She just laughed. Go for it. Well, she didn't do that because she can't talk yet. She's only got one job. Her entire job is to be cute. That's it. What are you going to do today, Sloane? I'm going to be cute. I'm going to make people smile. That's it. Judah on the other hand, can we have Judah now? Here's Judah, this girl with her first place in 100 metres. But I know the family and I know that she's got responsibilities. She's got chores. I know some people here in this building and in their family because everyone works and the kids, one of them was up here on the stage. When I say kids, they're adults. But every one of them takes turns in doing dinner. 
right through other Some of you, that'll be just normal. Others of you here, even though they're 30, yeah, you're still, you know, doing the hair for them. See, we don't serve to gain approval. We serve because we become mature. And so as Judah has gotten older, her mum and dad start giving her chores appropriate to her age. But I know that it was uh, Ryan's birthday this last week and Evie, who's 12, she cooked dinner for her father's birthday. And that was her job for the day. And nobody goes, you're only a kid. They all understand that with increasing maturity comes increasing responsibility. Are you with me? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, but it never becomes this is my beloved son and now I'm really well pleased. It's about maturity. Maturity means responsibility. That's what it means. If you claim to be a mature Christian, don't tell me how many Bible verses you've memorized. Don't tell me all the insights you have. I would say to you, show me your maturity by how you're living out purpose. Amen. Maturity means responsibility. A mature Christian understands I'm called into relationship, but I'm chosen for a divine purpose. Here's the takeaway for you today. Here's the thing I want you to get, because some of you here today, what you really need to grab a hold of in those notes, what you really need to grab on is I cannot be any more loved than I am right now. I've been around way too long as a pastor to not understand that there are some Christians that have never settled the argument of, of does God love me? They feel like every week and every day, they are on trial for their salvation, for their eternity. That maybe God might shut the door to heaven on them if they don't live it out in a perfect way. But you know, Sloane's a part of the family even though she hasn't done anything yet. And she can't get more love than she is. If that child went on to discover a cure for her, who knows what she could ever do in life with an intellect and with application, she might go on and change the entire world, who knows. But can I say to you, she would never be more loved by her mother and father. My mum had a great saying. She had seven kids. My mum if you went and said something like, are you proud of this child? She always said the same thing. She said, I'm proud of all of my children. She understood that relationship trumps purpose but that without purpose, the relationship loses impact and meaning. When mum calls me, Jeff, Jeff, I come saying, what do you want? God has called all of you, every single one of us. He's called us and then he's chosen us for a purpose. Now, I'm not, you don't have to have it like Saul. It doesn't have to be somebody laying hands on you and saying, yeah, you are going to be my called, you know, vessel unto the Gentiles. I know people in this church that feel like you, absolutely your career is your calling. You're called into that space. You pray about the things you do in that space as much as any preacher prays about a message. 
you pray about it because you go, that's my calling. You know, last week we prayed for Genevieve Dapa and her husband, Kwabana. He's in Burkina Faso, I think, as we speak. He's a consulting engineer working there. But we prayed for Genevieve because she's just come on staff part-time. She's come on staff to coordinate and lead Metro Kids. But I love the fact that when I met with her and Kwabana and her, their two children, when I met with them, she said to me this, one of the first questions, Pastor Jeff, she said, can I do this and still keep serving in hope? Well, I just said, I wish everyone thought like that. I said, of course you can. And so she's arranged things so that she can continue. Why? Because we're not paying her to work in hope. She's volunteering there, but she feels called to help those people. Calling is not what you're paid for necessarily, or it might be. But I do know this, that we are all both. We are called and chosen. Some of you need to take away, I can't be any more loved by God than I am right now. Some of us need to take away a new mindset of maturity. Saying, God, I've never stepped into the place of asking you, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? You'll never get, a, get enough energy out of jobs nor gifts. I'll finish with this. I don't, your gifting is great, but your gifting won't sustain you. The only thing that will sustain you is the fact you're called to it. That's why the Apostle Paul begins every epistle saying, Paul, called to be. Because the only thing that will keep you going through the disappointments, the difficulties, through the damaging comments that might get made about you. If you're called to listen, if you're called to it, you will, you will endure persecution. You want to remember that. If you're called, you'll endure disappointment. Of course, if you just volunteer, that's why I hate the word, I don't hate it, but I don't like using the word volunteer. Because I don't think any of us volunteered for anything. I think God called us. And he chose us. Amen. Praise God. Well, I hope that this series, and there's going to be a lot of uh, differing things to it, a lot of, I think, encouraging and nurturing stuff that we're going to get to bring out. And I pray that right through this month, morning and night, by the way, tonight I'm speaking on the basic toolkit for believers because, you know, I reckon most of you don't need a full workshop. You only need, like I'm going to bring tonight, I'm going to bring my backyard toolbox. I've got three sheds. They're full of everything. I've got tap and die sets. I've got, I've got stuff in there even I don't know what it's for. And that's the truth. Sometimes I go in there and I go, what was that? I've never used that thing. What is that? But I got in my backyard in a little plastic toolbox and bringing it tonight. And I reckon 90% of the things I do are in that basic toolkit. So let's talk about that one tonight. It's a part of being called and chosen, being equipped in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for today. I pray, God, for every person, no matter who they are. Stephanie Ruiz in Colombia. All the wonderful Pathas and Kumpalis in Pakal and Hyderabad. All the Kens in Waluna. All the people all throughout those places, Lord, and everyone that's here in this auditorium, 
or in some other part of this building, the parents' room, in the broadcast studio, wherever people are, we're all here listening and leaning in to what you have to say to us. God, I pray for anybody here that hasn't yet settled the called part. They think maybe they thought you were calling them, but you actually meant someone else. But God, you knew them by name. We are not a number. We're not next in line. We're not someone who snuck into the building unnoticed. We're here because you wanted us here. We're here in this place because you wanted us here. I pray, God, for every person that will be solid and settled. But then also pray, God, that every one of us will continue to go on the journey of saying, what's my end? i got the first bit. What's the end bit? Would you help us to grow in it, understand it? In Jesus' name. Father, I pray as well for anybody that's in the building or online who's never given Jesus the yes that gets the called part happening. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when mum or dad called me, it always went the same script, wasn't it? Jeff, Jeff, or Jeffrey, Jeffrey. You know the first word ever that came out of my mouth? Was yes. Yes. Second one was, what do you want? And way back there in that little home in 2 Adam Street, Tara, which is where I grew up, I didn't realise the seed of all of this was there all those years ago. Yes. Relationship. What do you want? Purpose. Amen. But if you've never given Jesus your yes, you just think it's another voice out there. It's just somebody else. You know, like, have you ever gone walking down the street? This happened to me this week. Someone yelled out, and I turned to see whether they were calling me or not. But then I just decided it was some random yelling because I didn't know them. So I just kept on going. If you give your yes to Jesus, that's you taking on the called part. That's you saying, Jesus, I'm going to enter into a relationship with you. Listen, take this away and go to the bank of heaven on it. And that's absolutely certain and true is that God loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you, not just to have you do stuff. He wants you to know him and walk with him as family. All you got to do is give him your yes. If you're at Metro Church Online right now, the yes button's popping up. So easy. Click on the yes button. You know, and that'll take you to where you give the most basic details so that we can send you one screen of the smartphone, the Bible verse different every day, the prayer different every day, just for 30 days to help you get started. Or you can go to uh, yes.metrochurch.org.au. You can do it there. There's lots of ways you can do it. If you're in Australia, if you're in the building, it's 0488826392. But whichever way you go about it, it's really, we're going to be the humans that see it. It's our team here that'll send you that stuff. But I tell you, long before we do it, there'll be a heavenly father who'll see the open heart and hear your yes and go, this is the greatest day. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices when you do. Isn't that amazing? Father, help those people in Jesus' name. 
as they give you their yes and enter into a relationship with you. We thank you for your grace over their life. Help them to grow, Lord. Amen. Amen. Jaira, that sounds like what you're playing, is it? I didn't realise that in the words of that song, I think it was that one, you actually sing about being loved more, I'm already loved. I never realised that was in there, how well it dovetails into the message this morning. Can we stand? We're going to sing together this beautiful song.